Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Boys, we are uh, housebound this week, at least Pipe and I are, uh, because of a blizzard that uh, that happened here in the South. And by a blizzard, I mean about three to five inches, which is debilitating for people down here. So... Uh, pipe, we've barely been out of our houses. Ronald, I don't know how it is in Ohio. Are are you guys dealing with the same thing up there? Yeah, we got the big, uh, yeah, we definitely got the big storm, uh, night before last about, I don't know, six or seven inches, but okay, it kind of, it kind of stopped and all the roads get cleared pretty quick here. So everybody's, everybody's pretty functional. Oh yeah, man. Upper man. Midwest, you guys are on it. Yeah. Ted, do you remember what it's like to live in a place where snow plows and salt trucks are you know, available. <laughs> Dude, I do. We have like one salt truck in all of Jackson, Tennessee, I think. And it, it gets, it gets worked, uh, around the clock, but, but yeah, that was, uh, that was something, but I'll, I'll say this pipe. I'm so glad to not live in that kind of climate anymore. <laughs> um, because it, it was slowly killing my soul, I think. So what? Uh, I think I the basic, endure. I think the basic premise is whatever climate you live in, you just, you gripe about it and find mm-hmm. the benefits in the one you don't live in, you know, unless you're in Southern yeah. California, yeah. in which case you have nothing to complain about. Um, but except the government's intrusion on your life, but yeah. And um, mudslides and wildfires and, and that's you know, true. Generally being yeah, earthquake death. Yeah. 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 For sure. But for sure. Yeah. I, I gripe about the lack of snow trucks. And then I realize I gripe about it once every three years. Cause that's about how often <laughs> it snows here. So probably not exactly. worth complaining. There you go. Exactly. There you go, boys. Bring Folks, some, this has been bringing some this has reason been to the program. Three old men chatting about the weather. Um, until done. next time. Yeah. No, no. Uh, far be it from us, boys, to uh, to end it so quickly. Piper, you have business to conduct because we have sponsors to promote. Uh, let's do. do that now. Yes, our first sponsor is the Mir Agency. They are a uh, website development company who actually. Uh, they've done my website, which is also the Happy Rant website, but uh, much more prominently, they have also done websites for the Gettys. That would be the music Gettys, Ooh. not like Gettys and Rothschilds, um, <laughs> for Tim Challies, for kind of everything Jared C. has his hands in. So Midwestern, Spurgeon, for the church, they're the uh, wow. they're the, the technical wizards behind all of that. Um they did wonder when they would be able to help Ronnie with uh, with Substance Church's website. That was a specific mm-hmm. question they asked Ronnie, so a thing to consider. Well, um, if he's doing Jared's, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I sense. wonder. I bet there's a best friend discount or something. You could. I bet. Uh, if, we, if we only wouldn't have just finished ours like ten minutes ago, so revamping ours, unfortunately, mm. that time. Yeah, but there see, you go. next time. But websites are never finished products. They're, they you always have to be iterating. That's the term. You you iterate. Oh yeah, new iteration. Yes. Right, right. I think the struggle with websites these days are do anybody go to them anymore? You know, that's well, there's the rub. Here. Yeah. <laughs> do they matter anymore? Well, well it's they, debatable, baby. They matter if they look terrible. 
You know what I mean? That's so true. like you can't you, you have to be above a certain threshold and then above that it's like no nah, whatever. Um yeah. which is a great ringing endorsement for Mirror Agency and all of their work because they get you above <laughs> that yeah whatever standpoint. Um but yes. if your church your organization is looking for a web redesign, web support, new website, go to mirragency.com and uh they have a they have a contact form there. And actually if you mention the Happy Rant and you end up going with them, you will get a 20% discount off of your monthly fee. So they have a monthly support fee that they charge going forward as does every web support company so that's not um specific to them but so that basically means you get 20 percent off for the life of it so any advancements any whatever you can actually save more as time goes on but that 20 percent um kind of goes on in in perpetuity so again go to mirragency.com check out their work they do really good work matt the guy who founded mirror used to work for Desiring God and helped uh, launch their kind of big web presence back in the day before he spun off and started his own thing. He's a wonderful dude. He's a pastor as well, and uh, and they're very good at what they do. So check out mereagency.com. Our second sponsor is Dwell Bible, who you will be familiar with, listeners, unless this is your first time. Dwell is an audio Bible app. Uh, if you go to dwellapp.io slash happyrant, you'll see the discounts they offer to our listeners. It's 10% off their monthly subscription or 33% off of their lifetime subscription. Uh, so that'll be, that'll, it's under $100 for access to this for ever and ever and ever as they continue to develop and add narrators and add plans. But the thing I want to highlight for them right now is that they have a Lent listening plan. So if you want something to help walk you up to Holy Week and Easter in the coming weeks, uh, download, dwell, subscribe, and then check out that Lent plan. It's a really well laid out thing to help prepare your heart, especially in this crazy time. It's kind of hard to forget that Easter's right around the corner, but it'll walk you up to that. Check out their Lent listening plan. It's a great feature as well. Again, go to dwellapp.io slash happyrant and check them out. Outstanding promo work pipe as always. I love the whole mention the happy rant thing at checkout. I, I always imagine like just two guys casually conversating and the one guy's like, yeah, happy rant. And the other guy's like, oh, yeah, all right, 20% off. Um, that just, I don't know why I'm, I'm delighted by that. It, yeah. It feels a little bit like wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing. It's like, yeah. psst, like code hey. is happy rant. Yeah. Hey, happy rant. Yeah, no, I like that. I like you get I like, into like the secret in. back room or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it's kind of like having a speakeasy, you know, um, minus the if only law breaking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know it. I know it. If only that would be that's aspirational for us boys. But before we can get there, we have to do the thing that um, really puts food on the table for us, and that is uh, this podcast in the way that we typically do it. In as much as uh, we talk about one to three things for about 35 minutes. So, uh, boys, today I thought it would be fun to talk about um, like weird theologies or weird theological things, weird things that our churches did that we kind of grew up with as kids that are no longer like in play for, for our churches. Um, this is a great topic. Baby, I think this was your idea. Um, so go ahead and kick us off. What are some of these things? Oh man, I you know, it's funny because it's like you think about you think about church and you think about theology and doctrine and some of the more how shall we say like outlying doctrines tend to be mm-hmm. uh cyclical, you know, is that a word cyclical? Is that the right cyclical? word? Cyclical. 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 Yeah. yeah. All right, we got to hear from the prof, right? So I appreciate that. Wow. Well, I mean, I 
I don't have a doctorate, so you know. Well, I, I, mean, I don't either, right? Not so, tenured, uh, not but, yet. Uh, you know, not yet. We're yeah. not we're not quite there yet. I'll be telling you guys how to speak here in about twelve months. But um, oh, we can't we can't wait. Too. It's going to be. I mean, great. let me let it's me speak for be... five and saying we're both really excited. <laughs> it's going to be that. fantastic to be correcting you every ten or so mm, seconds. Wonderful. But, um, but yeah, so the cycle of all of that, and so I was th- I don't know why when we were talking about what we should talk about, it just kind of kicked in for me. But I was thinking about, uh, you know, some of the spooky kind of eschatology stuff that I grew up with that it almost seems unbelievable that I would be part of a church that would even be discussing those things. And I know there's still many churches that do. I've just haven't been in tribes that sort of like, you know, just get all serious about, you know, end times and having that particular perspective on it. But it was funny to grow up in a place where that was I mean, that like that literally framed everything that was said. So mm. it doesn't matter what book of the Bible you were in. It doesn't matter what passage you were preaching. <laughs> Somehow it got to Mark of the Beast, getting your head chopped off. Uh, you know, incredible. like like like, you know, helicopters coming down from the sky that are like, yes. you know, like in the form of a beast. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, just of course, things like that. Yeah. yeah didn't and they like, have like no, scorpion so tails on them, too? It's like helicopters tails. with scorpion tails. But like, here's the thing. Here's they the were wearing jackets thing. with scorpions on the back, you know. Yeah, and like n- nobody blinked an eye. So mm. all of this stuff is talked about, and everybody's just nodding their heads, and they're just like praying to God that although you know this moment where we get to like you know the the Lord finally returns, we get to meet Him in the air. Although this is supposed to be like the the greatest and expectant hope of the Christian, we're all just like literally like paralyzed with fear kind of hoping it never happens. Right? Oh, totally. You're going to meet him in the air by like ejecting out of an F-16 and and like going right into like the, <laughs> the side door of a helicopter, you know. Yeah, so it's going to um, it's basically it's basically what what we're thinking is man the end times is going to be the scariest M Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. Com- yeah. Coming into realization. And I mean, I I like that I like that I get to go to heaven, but gosh darn, getting there does it have to be so gosh darn scary? <laughs> Well, absolutely. Yeah, it it does. So I, I have a couple of follow-up questions on that, actually. I'm interested in like how how deep they would take it in context where like the sermon is pretty straightforward. So like Christmas and Easter, was there still a little a little rapture tie-in? Um, well, certainly for Easter. I mean, Easter I feel well, like yeah. was an was yeah. an easier pivot. There, there just, I think it was just like, there was just always this, um, and again, it wasn't entirely all wrong, right? So they did try to have right. this expectancy, but it was like, no matter what, no matter what we were doing, no matter what we were engaged in, it was like, you know, stay, you know, st- stay awake, you know, yeah. be aware oh, yeah. because you could wake up in the morning and, you know, if, if you're not saved, you know, the, the kettle that your, that your mom put on the stove is just going to be like, it's just going to be bubbling over, but she's not going to be there. And you've been right. left behind, you know, the, the Larry Norman song, right? So you'll have to pull it off the stove. You'll Come have to pull that. it off Covered the stove. Covered by you know? DC talk right. for a later generation. Let's not forget. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And so, uh, right. Exactly. Exactly. So there was, there was just that constant, no matter what it was, it was like, I mean, all this is good. And all this doctrine, all this theology, it's it's only there because we need to tell people that they 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 need to receive Christ because the rapture could be coming at any minute, and we have people that are going to hell, and that is primary. And there is something about that that is primary. You know, we would we would agree with that. But everything just somehow funneled back into that reality. 
Yeah. Well, and, it, and the subtext was always like, or at least in, in my church context, it was always like, you don't want to be sinning like at the moment that, that it happens. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. did, did, did you guys have like, somehow did you, you have a list pre- of things that you, you couldn't be doing when Jesus came back? Like, I think, <laughs> I think it was my mom was saying that she kind of grew up with that. So like playing cards, movie theaters, you know, you, like you wouldn't want to be caught in a movie theater when Jesus came back. Cause you know, oh, no. you're, you're I mean, it's then. dark in there. And yeah, I mean, who knows? But that's who interesting, knows? isn't it? It's like you, so that was exactly what was said. Like, would you feel, so this was how they set it up. Would you feel good doing the thing you're doing? If Jesus returned, but you know, what was never said was, well, uh, maybe, but like, what are you saying is going to happen if I'm doing the thing I don't feel good about? And he returns. There was, there was just sort of this like understood thing that like, well, he may not, he may not rapture you. He's not going to pick you for the team. He doesn't like the thing you're doing. Yeah. Well, yeah, totally. If you happen to be like halfway through a hand of solitaire, when, you know, when, (laughs) when Jesus comes back, like you're, you're probably going to hell, you know, tough, tough, tough deal. But like, uh, was Monopoly okay? Like, help me yeah, understand that's the which thing. games it's, are. It's like- unclear. It's unclear. Yeah, could old yeah. ladies play bridge? Is that acceptable? Or are they are they right. all being left behind? I'm, they I'm, could play bridge, but only if they weren't gossiping while playing bridge. Oh, okay. So no, I, maybe, I thought gossip was one of the acceptable sins. That's what I gathered from I church think it growing probably up. Is. That was a yeah, safe yeah. one. Cards were that you know condemned. Yeah. But I think, I think what strikes me, and this is what I'd like to hear you guys speak into, is like we can talk about sort of the ha-ha part of it, which is, you know, there's some absurdities with it, right? But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort of taken in by the, the general, like the general tone of spookiness that was oh, yeah. perfectly acceptable about it. Like it was okay for it to kind of like to come off like some B-level horror movie. Um, <laughs> and like somehow that was okay. Are you just everybody- thinking like of B-level a thief horror in the movie night? that they made about it? <laughs> that had something to do with it right like thief in the night exactly yeah. exactly yeah for for younger listeners before there was uh the left behind series there was the thief in the night series of movies what was that like mid 70s that those came out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and just total i mean they were like c quality movies and, and entirely designed to terrify people about the second coming of christ they, they involved guillotines and machine guns and <laughs> prison camps and I don't know, like white bathrobes. It, it was all very weird. Yeah. I mean, Pipe, it literally looked like basically what the end times were is that Christians were living in communes wearing white robes. And at some point, everybody was coming to chop their heads off. And um, if they accidentally, because they didn't realize what they're doing, get this like mark, this stamped on their forehead or their hand, there was no there was no going back. There, we I mean, did, there was no going back, and the the commune was going to be infiltrated. Yes, and the guillotines were coming out, and you were going to have a guillotine party on Tuesday. Yeah, well, I'll never forget, you know, Patty's beheading in those movies. It was a seminal, mm. scarring moment of my sixth grade year. We, uh, I went to this little Christian school in middle school, and uh, and they decided to use those in Bible class. Uh, during uh-huh. during sixth grade, nice. so we watched all of those. I think Thief in the Night was just one of them. It was a whole series of them. And, uh, and the after, teacher was a little tired, couple of days off. <laughs> yeah, and just well, yeah. And this is clearly just strong biblical teaching. Yeah. Then there was I remember oh, a scene where the beasts came, and you know, and they would you know, it was, their sting was like a scorpion, except so it was like this big shadow on a wall of a scorpion tail, but with like a harpy face. And uh, yeah, just. <laughs> And, and and this was just totally exciting. Like nobody in my class was like, "Wait, what? What are we? What are we watching?" 
And my teachers, dude, just feeding this to us as Bible class. It was it was delightful in retrospect. Yeah, so I have three, a, I have a three cheers for literal interpretation. It's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> dude, so my follow-up is, at this school, were there parent-teacher conferences? Yes. And did John Piper, like, raise any concerns about the, about the movies? Like, was he like, hey, so Thief of the Night, can we, can we talk about it? I don't um, know that my dad ever went to a parent-teacher conference, and that's not to say he was a nice. delinquent dad, because I don't remember, remember my mom going to very many of them either. Um, sure. I basically, my parents had the kind of relationship where they talked to teachers if I got far enough out of line. But it yeah, wasn't a conference. Yeah. It was like, send this note home to your parents. They're going to sign it. You're going to get a beating. And all well, that's kind of how it was back then. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, no, but the, the year after that, so that was sixth grade. The year after that, our Bible teacher decided we needed to create a visual representation of the end times. So like, yes. uh, what was it? The assignment was we had to do a timeline of the, the end times, you know, starting with the rapture, the seven years tribulation, the second coming, the thousand years, the great white throne judgment. The fact that I remember all of these is, is a little scarring. That means the education work. Pipe. Yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah. I don't remember our teacher's name, but he had a fantastic mustache. Um, <laughs> of course. He and did. and then a, a separate unit, we had to create a poster of the New Jerusalem. You know, because the mm. Bible, the Bible gives this description where it's like the city was X miles tall and X miles wide, and there was three gates on each side named after each mm. of the apostles and whatever. Maybe it was tribes of Israel. I got that one wrong. And uh, and so we had to draw all this. So not only is it an end times visual representation, but it's like it requires genuine art skills to draw a three D rendering of an imaginary city. Uh, yeah, it was not. Dude, well, it would have been hilarious to just draw a picture of like Grand Rapids. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> There's Lake Michigan on one side, you know. A little, a little river running through the middle. Dude. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of gray and snowy. Yeah. yeah. Pipe, yeah, was exactly. your, um, Pipe, was your pops, I mean, did he make a shift at some point? Like he had to have been dispensational at some point. Am I correct in that or no? <laughs> I mean, he grew up Southern Baptist, and I think that means you're like default. I think it means you're default yeah. Arminian and default dispensational. Like, just you have to be. My my dad is has never spoken at length about eschatology with me, other than to say, yeah, that there's no evidence of that in Scripture about certain things. He just, mm. I mean, it's not yeah. that he doesn't pay attention to it. It's just he has never. It's put never it, been a big thing. Never yeah. put it front and center. Um, and I do remember when I was in college, I had I had a professor who was very dispensational, and we had to do a uh, an expository paper on an Old Testament text. He was, he was my OT survey prof, and I picked one of the it was, it was out of one of the minor prophets, and you know it was, it was about it was one of the passages about you know and there shall be fruit on the vine and et cetera et cetera the people shall return, and I equated it to the promise of the coming kingdom of Christ. And, and he gave me like a C minus because that's Ooh. not how a dispensational uh, interpretation of that would be. And I was griping to my dad about this and he just, he quietly on the phone uh, goes, I don't understand how anybody can be a dispensationalist and call themselves a scholar. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and I've just held, I've just held fast to those words for the last 20 mm. years. It's uh, they've given me great comfort. So him and Johnny Mac, uh, they would have had a little, 
Thibodeau had a little disagreement on some things there. I like that. Yeah, you know, they, they've had some disagreements that. on a few things over the years. You know, just d- general appreciation for each other's uh, biblical rigor. But yeah, the, the not not total uh, not totally seeing eye to eye. Yeah, I think um, like T, I would love to hear your take on this because I, you know, this was just like so. My parents were saved into that tradition, Calvary Chapel, early seven, mid seventies. So for them hearing about these things, like that's just, that was their, that was all they knew that there was like, there sure. literally wasn't another like end times position that that's just yeah. what the Bible clearly taught. Right. Kind of a thing. And so, um, but it's funny that in that tradition and, you know, if you were in Calvary chapels, like I was, I mean, they, so for people that know that there are other end times positions, like they think those other positions are like heretical. Like mm-hmm. they, they don't think that they're valid. I mean, they would even go so far as to not everybody. So I don't want to go too far with this, but you would, you would think that maybe there's a chance that, that somebody with a different end times position might not even, you know, be genuinely saved. Right. That's how seriously it's, right. it's taken and kept big. Right? Yeah. Big. big. Yeah. So I think, I think with like when our parents were kids and, and so my parents both became believers like in high school, you know, because of like a, a youth group thing, essentially, I, I think that was the only that was kind of the only perspective. So mm-hmm. I've seen my parents kind of travel this road of I, I would say they were like light dispensationalists. And, and now, um, you know, l- later in adulthood, they've um, you know, they've kind of come around to reform theology, whereas I feel like when we were young adults, reform theology was just kind of starting to pop and be cool. And, and mm. we sort of got onboarded to it at, you know, at a, a more formative time in our lives maybe. But, uh, but yeah, for them, I think the whole rapture deal was kind of, kind of a, a bit of a thing. And I remember, you know, I remember being in high school youth group, you know, early on, I would have been like a freshman and they screened like thief in the night for us. Like I remember watching it yeah. and, and just thinking, on one level, this is the wackiest thing I've ever seen. But on another level, thinking I'm supposed to be scared of it, so maybe I'm a little scared of it. You know, I was kind of talking myself <laughs> into it because um, I knew that was that was what I was supposed to do. And uh, even then, I knew like the production values were bad. And um, I was like, "That's huh, a very how, how, gentle take." The production, yeah. Values how can I believe something that's so crappily made? You know. But um, it's funny, Piper, you, back to your reflection on that assignment in, uh, in Christian school where, with all the drawing and the timeline. That must have been Apex Mountain for a certain kind of weirdo kid that was always drawing like the Metallica album covers in his notebook. <laughs> he must have just loved that assignment. You know what I mean? You get to draw like three-headed demons and um, just oh, kind of totally. have some totally. fun with it. You know, yeah, was, he was the was same kid who, when we had to do a visual rendering of the tabernacle, took great pains on the altar and uh, and the sacrifices. He's like, look, oh, there's absolutely. four goats and three bulls and a turtle dove. Dead. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, dead. All dead. dead. 100% <laughs> dead. Um, no, that's amazing. I, I would have loved to have been around for like the pitch meeting of that movie. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> here's what I'm thinking, guys. Stay with me. Um you know, a little coffee pot. We're going to have a guillotine, you know, some people in white robes and the guys are on the table being like, yeah, hundred percent. I'm, I'm in, I'm investing. How can I, how can, how can we invest the $4,000 it's going to take to me? Yeah, dude, let me make some calls. Let me see if I can get the $4,000 together. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make this, make this thing a reality. 
amazing. Amazing that that whole motif had the legs that it had. You know what I mean? And that nobody was crying BS like sooner. You know? Well, not in those circles. So here's what's funny, man. It's like what's crazy is that every once in a while I like I get wind of, you know, or you'll be in a context where you'll realize, no, 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 those those circles are very much there and in some ways intact. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's just that I'm not in it anymore. So I it's sure. hard for me to fathom. I mean, I remember my I remember my pastor. This was couple decades ago, the guy that kind of introduced me to Reformed theology, you know, this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember at one point, and I had come out of a Calvary chapel, and he said, he said, man, he goes, he goes, do people still believe all that stuff? And I said, you're joking, right? I said, mm-hmm. let, I mean, let me just tell you about like the, like the, like the churches I came out of, like they fully embrace that and believe it. And this would have been when, you know, Left Behind was still a thing and, and all that, the books are being written and all that stuff. But, um, yeah. but it's like, he was so out of it that it was hard for him to even fathom that anybody still was still, you know, kind of buying into that particular, you know, doctrinal perspective, you know? Um, so, so I, yeah, it's just funny. I looked up a thief in the night just so we can get a few key facts on this released in 1972. Any, <clears throat> any guesses on the production budget for this film? Speaking of great production Ooh. values, Ronald, give, give your best guess. And then I'll, I'll throw one out there. Okay. So 1972, I don't know. I'm going to be a little generous. I'm going to say like what twenty five thousand dollars. I was higher Ooh, than I that. I was going to. Oh, higher okay. than that. yeah. Okay. Dude, I'm going to say no higher than fifty. It was sixty eight thousand. Okay. Wow, you got close to that's yeah, yeah that's interesting. interesting. But it, ru- yeah. it in its in its first decade of release, it brought in four point two million dollars. So that's a pretty oh, good dude, pretty that's good a ROI, smash. as they say. Yeah, uh, that's a smash hit. Directed dude, and produced I mean, it, it, by Donald Thompson. Oh, um, Donnie. What? It had Donald Thompson's fingerprints it, it all over it. It literally had I mean, his... If you're familiar yeah. with his work, you oh, know. Man. Yeah. Don is a legend. Yeah. He's yeah. a legend. You know that. Yeah. So, in, in rapture movie circles. And uh, and just a wonderful guy, too. A lovely person. Oh, Don. Don's a If you've guy. ever worked with Donald. I mean, I remember, I remember I worked with Don on the uh, yeah, post-apocalyptic <laughs> movie from the, yeah. from the late 80s. You know, yeah. We, yeah. We've, all, we've all worked with Don. All just of us a stand-up guy. Him. Here's the here's the elephant in the room, boys, is the fact that um, we're making like two hundred and fifty dollars having ha ha's at the expense of these pieces of media that have literally been dumping buckets of millions onto the people that made them. Um, that's what I struggle with. So, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the fact that Thief in the Night was a terrible movie that they made for $68,000 that to this day is probably like an annuity for those people. Mm. Um, and here we are flogging away on the radio, you know, just yeah. um, live, living yeah, on a prayer hit, over we here. We haven't even hit the 3 million mark yet on the rant. So, I mean, we still well, got, I know, it's we got a little, yeah, we got a, I mean, we it's got a few percentage points to get up. It's a slow burn. You know, it's yeah, a it slow, is. it's a slow burn, the, the happy rant. But, uh, but yeah, like, why do you think, and I don't know, we could drive ourselves crazy asking this question and trying to answer it, but I, I want to hear you guys briefly on it, and then I want to throw out another wacky teaching from our childhoods. But um, why do you think like that stuff did so well? Because the movie was trash. Those books are trash, quantifiably, but, but yet they resonated with so many people, um, especially the books. Like, I mean, there were probably 15 books in that series, and, you know, you got like 25 pages into the first one and you're like, this is utterly ridiculous. 
and bad writing, <laughs> but yet how did they how did they do so well? Like this, these are the kinds of things that keep me up at night. I just I can't get there. I I think I, it, at some point it becomes like a, a, a like a, a vicious circle that sort of feeds itself. But there's something about mm-hmm. and we talked about this at length when something is labeled Christian, so Christian entertainment of any kind, it, it gets a free pass on quality. It, historically, yeah. especially in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I feel like in the last 10 to 15 mm-hmm. years that started to shift a little bit, at least in you know, in certain, in certain spheres, certain circles. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and then the other thing is, so there's that aspect of it, but then there's also the, like everybody in like every parent and every youth minister and every, you know, kids minister is just looking for stuff that they can safely throw at kids here, read this here, watch this. You know, like I remember when I was in high school youth group, anytime they wanted to do, you know, we're going to do a lock in or a movie night or whatever, there was always a debate about what movies we could watch. It could never be anything rated above PG and even the PG movies, they couldn't say certain words, you know, an actress couldn't be wearing (laughs) anything that was too, you know, revealing, et cetera. And so we ended up just watching like the princess bride and what about Bob on repeat? Um, (laughs) Solid. Both great movies, by the way, but just, just not when they're the only movies. And, uh, and, and what so, about Bob? Ahead of its time on the yeah. whole mental health thing, too. Yeah, I mean, and really smartly yeah. done. Probably more so than I would have appreciated at 15. Um, For sure. And But if you just say, oh, this is a Christian movie, like, oh, cool. You, we'll just, we can just throw this at you. So uh, who, are those, who are the brothers who have done all of the Christian movies in the last, like, 15 years? Why am I forgetting their names? Um, Safty brothers. I'm just kidding. Different <laughs> kinds of movies. Um, no, it'll it'll come yeah, to me. Know. They did like courageous in all of those movies. The right, Miser right. brothers. Yeah. The, whatever. The snow and heat Miser. Yeah. <laughs> they're. I think they're out of Georgia somewhere. But like those movies. Again, not good movies, but they're Christian and they're they're positive and they're encouraging. And so like whatever, we'll just throw them at the kids. So I th- I think mm-hmm. that's a piece of it. Is like you just. And then once something catches fire inside the very dry tinderbox of, of, you know, the Christian <laughs> echo chamber, it yeah. just, it just spreads. No, you make a great point, Pipe. And I, and I think it's the fact that literally when we were growing up, it just came down to hours to fill. You know what I mean? Like youth group goes two hours. We have it every weekend. Like, you know, those, those hours have got to get filled up with something. So if you can, and you, you can't throw expect a, a youth pastor to like teach the Bible every week. Oh no, gosh, no. That's, yeah. Yeah. Oof. That's, that's not happening. Um, speaking of that, that reminds me of another wacky teaching that, um, even in my like pubescent 14 year old mind, it, di- it didn't quite make sense to me, which was, um, and again, this isn't to shade the church that I grew up in or, or the youth pastor, if he's even listening, but, um, their, their teaching on lust was as follows. Uh, the first look is free, but the second one will cost you. Oh, that's I remember that. One. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, even at 14, that. I was kind of like, huh. So I can have yeah, okay, one look. Huh. Yeah, one I can have one look. look. Can it go a long time? You know, like. <laughs> yeah. what, uh, what if I only have one look? If I don't no, break yeah, exactly. eye contact. What if I only have one look, but it lasts like a day and a half? You know, um, yeah, I, I was like, huh, that, that seems really strange. Um, there's no mention of like fighting that with faith or like, um, you know, looking to Christ to, you know, to, to satisfy you or whatever. It was, uh, it was very, uh, 
very interesting teaching on lust. It's so funny that like you, it's so funny that in your, whatever it was T like your 13, 14 year old mind, there yeah. was something you were breaking down theologically that wasn't making any sense. Dude, to yeah. You. And I didn't even know I was breaking it down theologically. I, I, of I course. Saying, yeah. 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 I, I was just like, huh, this seems lazy to me somehow. <laughs> um. <laughs> but also, you weren't going to complain too loud because first look free, right? You know? So, yeah. yeah for, hey, the first look free, that's something. You know? <laughs> you know what? Um, at 17, you're going to take what you can get. Absolutely. Yeah I, yeah, I feel like my my favorite teaching as it pertained to lust was the incongruity of like there was the now, you know, all people are created in the image of God and like men are not more sexual sinners than women, you know, they're not they're not worse, but also men are dogs. Like all of you <laughs> oh, yeah. young men, absolute beasts. You're just uh-huh. you're not in control of your lusts or your instincts. But also, all people created in the image of God, equal as sinners, but men, you're just pigs. And, you know, just every, every yeah. you know, we, again, we're back to speciesism like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's very insulting oh, to the boy. animals to compare them to yeah, young that, men. Oh, that's that some red flags up for me. Yeah, yeah I, for I, sure. I missed the speciesism. I was, I was always confused by how we could be uh, equal as sinners to all of the young ladies, but we were dogs, and apparently they were inherently virtuous. Um Mm. It never, it, I never could get my head all the way around that one. The people that thought that didn't go to my high school. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, that the women were virtuous? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just remember, boys, because I was told this, I think, 209 times. Uh, men give love for sex, but women give sex for love. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, that was literally a mantra, like for me growing up, like just sound teaching, culture. you know, <laughs> just, just yeah. solid as the day is long. Just remember you know? that man. Remember that. Yeah. Yeah. You know how, how that wasn't in, in Proverbs. I don't know. You know, uh, didn't, didn't make the cut, but, uh, nevertheless, at, very at solid. any point, at any point in your upbringing, like say prior to, I don't know, 25, did you get any actual helpful teaching on, uh, like g- gender, sexuality, lust, or was it all just trash? Absolutely not. No, hundred yeah. percent. No, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, it was. It was all. It was all trash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. It, yeah. What it was, <laughs> yeah. What a disaster. It was all completely yeah. unhelpful. It yes. was not even. It wasn't even mildly sexist. It was completely sexist. Um, it had no. It wasn't able to make any. I mean, it brought in no like theology. It, it brought in like no helpful theology on gender and you know all of these like important like principles and truths that we you know are pretty clear in scripture but we're slightly ignored because again man the church is just especially for teenagers if 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 your youth group was like my youth group i mean the emphasis was just hey man keep your hands to yourself uh and and do everything you can to uh to to fight like the the mind games that the culture is playing you know, with your mind and heart, that's kind of like steering you into the bedroom to do things with your girlfriend that you're not supposed to do. But there was no, man, there was, there was no sense of like what you just said T. there was no sense of like, like Christ and grace and mercy and, and how it is that we're, we're, what's how our hearts are supposed to be being conditioned through all of this. None of that, none of that was talked about. It was just, Hey, you probably had a bad week. And if you have too many bad weeks, here's what's really going on. You know what I mean? At the end of the day. And uh, yeah. it was just massively unhelpful. And you didn't see a lot of fruit or growth 
in, in either yourself or your peers <laughs> through any of this stuff, right? Just a big swing and a miss for about three decades. But you know what? It was the 80s. They were trying to build like gymnasiums and auditoriums and stuff in the church. And well, they, we they had to just, have those gyms. We needed that. They gym. were busy with blueprints. They were doing the thing where they, they like put the coffee mug on like one edge of the blue, the blueprint and then roll it out. And they're like, yeah, here's where the food court's going to go and the gym. And but it's it, be amazing. it really did. But once they, once the coffee shop went in the church, which was a great step because that allowed for a meeting place for the fruitless accountability groups where all of the men right. would show up and <laughs> announce that they are still a dog who is still lusting and looking yeah. at porn. Let's do it again next week. And, uh, and just keep meeting in that same coffee shop. Piper, I have a new accountability group on speciesism uh-huh. where we, we just get together and we talk about <laughs> all the ways you know, you've shamed I, animals. I want to invite you to it because I feel like you're still struggling with this. Yeah, I feel um, like Pipe has been struggling with that for a long time. Man, I, yeah, and, I, I don't even think I'm at the point of struggle. Okay. Like, I'm just, I'm just having my eyes opened to the amount of damage I've done to it. to yeah. poor little animals elsewhere. Pipe, I want you to know that being a speciesist is, uh, <laughs> at some level, it's every man's battle. Okay, so you're you're not unique in that, um, and the group is going to be a nice warm you know, kind of place to, to, to just bring some of that into the light for you. So I, I want you to receive this as an intervention right now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, Ron and I have been planning this for a long time. Actually. Can, so uh, here we are. Yeah. I, I received that. I, uh, I, uh-huh. I'm, I'm sure I have many, many miles to go right before, yeah. I'm, before I'm fully matured in this area. However, <laughs> I, I could use some positive direction. So if, if I'm not to use speciesist terms for, you know, men's sexual proclivities, for example, what is, what's yeah. a good alternative? What's well, a good, al- I have one for you. Okay. I have one. Um, and here's the answer to the problem of speciesism for you. Mm-hmm. And it's actually going to bring us back to kind of the original topic of what, of what we were talking about on the show today. And mm-hmm. I think the cure, and this was the cure for every problem that I had in 1980s Christian youth culture. And it's this pipe. And I suggest it for you. Stop listening to secular music. I well, think you if go. you can just, I think how do I burn? How do I burn my MP3s? Life, is what I want to. Yeah, know. if you if you can just burn your iPhone, mm-hmm. just get rid of secular music. I think that is the answer, man. That is well, the answer. That's a that's just a good word. And um, what about that's, that's a, a what about uh, music by? So it's not Christian music, but it's by musicians who are Christians. They they would like that. Want, distinction I just to want be. to know right now why you feel the need to ask that question and not just burn your Spotify. <laughs> exactly. I, yes. Okay. All that speciesist content on Spotify. I will, I will burn um, my internet connection shortly. I would dude, like you to do that. Yeah, Ron. It's funny. You, it's funny you mention that. And I want to ask Pipe if if Wheaton College was the same way, but because in the in the nineties when I went to college. You know, it was right kind of on that tail end of of Christian music's bad and it's the or no, secular music's bad. It's the source of all your problems. And like once a semester, somebody would mention something about that in chapel, and then there would be this huge like there'd be all these flyers for people selling their CD collections. Like I felt convicted about chapel. I'm getting rid of all my Metallica records and you know, all my like Right. public enemy uh, tapes or whatever. And and it would just be this treasure trove of amazing music that could be yours for like pennies, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And right. so that, that was a part of the life cycle of Taylor. I think a couple times a year that would happen. How many records did you we, get out of that for like 15 bucks? Oh, dude, tons. <laughs> yes. I literally built my collection. It was better than like BMG. 
It was better than that thing where you send in a penny and they they ship you like 15 CDs. Well, T, you know what's uh, crazy about that was like, yeah. that was, I mean, totally same experience, but our thing was taken to the point to where it was like, it was more like a burning of the music because mm. you don't want to sell it to somebody You don't want else. anybody else. Right. Yeah, and see the... You know the Taylor kids were such lovers of money that I think they couldn't <laughs> they could they couldn't like you know uh, stomach the thought of of you know that investment just going south. So they had to get but here's what's, out of it. But so did this happen? So you got <laughs> du- you got this dude that has like two grand worth of like all of his records he's not supposed to listen to. He yeah. like he burns it all, and then like a month later he's dropped like another twelve hundred dollars just to rebuy half the stuff that he. Well, had. totally, yeah, yeah, totally. The, like the conviction wore off. And, the conviction uh, wore off, right? And yeah, he was yeah. he was back at Musicland, you know, getting getting restocked with all this. Dude, records. Musicland and Sam Goody, I mean, that was the happiest, incredible Christianity is oh. the happiest thing that ever happened to their business. Well, absolutely, yeah, because you have people rebuying the same records every like year and a half. It was unbelievable. Gee, Sammy, you've bought that Metallica Black album, I think, seven times now. Do you just <laughs> exactly like that record, or oh no, I just keep burning it and then rebuying it? Oh, really? Why? Well, he he well, keeps rededicating his life to Christ at summer camp burning his albums and that's then what, that's you know my religion by october he needs it again dude <laughs> so i just hung I my hat on the fact that like metallica had a song about passover one time and that was my <laughs> that was my like free you know pass into into liking metallica without you know any any bearing guys i have an appetite for destruction i burn my cds <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally yeah right right yeah oh my gosh um i i well, have to say i i never felt any pressure or conviction to get rid of my secular music at any point. I think you were a little, you came a little after that. Yeah. I think you're young enough to where that didn't, that had, I don't think it was quite as much of a thing. Yeah. No, like Keith, Keith Green's influence had worn, uh, had worn off a bit. Um, on, on some of that stuff. And, and, and like my parents just weren't into music. And so they never like, they never were swayed that way where they felt very strong that we should be listening to one thing and not another. And uh, so, yeah, I, well, I managed Clint, to avoid that. This, man. Was it like, okay, so that's curious to me because I think we're getting into denominational like, like emphasis. Oh, here. I'm because, sure. Like that was talked about literally. It was, it was almost like eschatology, man. It was talked about constantly at, at the churches I grew up in. So I'm just wondering because you were like, you know, Minnesota Southern Baptist. Was it just not part of the discussion? They were just talking um, about other stuff. Yeah, well, and and also unique to our church, like we, so I grew up Baptist General Conference, which is just, yeah, it's like, it's kind of center cut Baptist. We had this huge array of theological uh, convictions within the denomination. And, uh, and like our church was just, we were, we leaned very reformed, obviously, with my dad as the pastor. And, and the, the, there just wasn't a lot of overt legalism uh with the with the exception of sexuality like that was one where mm. where it was pretty aggressively taught like they did a whole for teaching sure. unit on i kiss dating goodbye when that came out um for example nice. but uh that turned out well for everybody yeah, yeah it's it really really good yeah. uh Fantastic. so glad to see so glad to see how that that narrative arc went um but yeah, so I think we just avoided a lot of that. Now, the the one thing that we did have in common with like every other Baptist tradition was during retreats and camps. It was like a little mini revival every time. You know, I yeah, think I got sure. saved mm-hmm. fourteen times. You know, yeah. oh, totally. I only got baptized yeah. once, but saved multiple times. And yeah, dude, you're hitting that stage and and 
you know, walking up there. And yes. Doing the doing. And the truly pipe. You're probably do. You're probably do again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, Definitely. I mean, I don't know. I got ordained in January. Does that count for any additional amount no, of time or no, like, no, do no, I need no, to rededicate no, I mean, soon? I mean, dude, I, the Pharisees were ordained. I, let's, let's uh, not, you know, that's be a, careful. that's a good point. It's a very good point. Uh, I'll have to, I don't yeah, know. We'll I'll have to get a phylactery it. or something like that and, and just go from there. <laughs> I love it. Well, boys, we have uh, we have done what we always do in this program, and that we've wandered to and fro throughout some wacky teachings from our childhood, and we have a Patreon app to do. So I'm going to wrap this one and get us into that one. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.